Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to a What A Night part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. My name is Ben Haynes. I'm joined today by Jude Summerfield, Sean Walsh and Dan Kilpatrick to go through the good, the bad, the ugly and the beautiful over the course of the last few days in all things Spurs. And it was fairly ugly and it was fairly bad. A 3-0 defeat to Man City away from home off the back of having lost to Everton in the FA Cup 5-4 after extra time. So with that in mind, how is everyone? That's a nice face you're putting there, Jude. No, yeah, really good. Just feeling positive, positive, positive. Positive yeah. vibes only. Yeah. That's all we allow in here. Shawnee? Exactly. Yeah, good vibes only. So let's not talk about Spurs today. <laughs> and and Dan, did you go did you go up to City? I didn't. No, I didn't go. My colleague oh, thank God. James Robson did the game, so it was the second well, one I missed. <laughs> And whereas I'd have quite liked to have been at Everton because it was bonkers, I'm quite glad that James did City. It was a it was a late finish, the Everton one as well, wasn't it? It was sort of by the I sort of looked at my watch after the back of that and I was like, how are we still playing? This is crazy. Because we started later than everyone else as well. So do you know what we'll do is we'll kind of try and take a more holistic approach to the two games. We won't go too granular, but we'll kind of study key themes. Um, when we go through the the good and the bad and the ugly and the beautiful, um, <laughs> because that way it doesn't get too sort of it doesn't get too uh, we don't drown in our own sorrows. Um, so we'll start with any good bits from those two games, and we we thankfully got a really really interesting performance against Everton. Now there's a lot to unpack here because. There's a big fallout on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw this over the discussion between whether it was a good performance or whether it was a bad performance. And Sean, as our resident, as our resident um, sort of professor around the ins and outs of whether a performance is good or bad, what did you have it down as? In the end, I settled for bad because I just felt it was hard to justify conceding five goals in the manner they were conceding and just be like, yeah, you know what, Spurs played well today. I think the bar is really, really low for it's coming to consideration that that was a good performance. Like that, that should be a run-of-the-mill performance where a couple of defensive errors led to us losing on the night. That shouldn't be the, the bar that we're holding we ourselves to. We at least have to. bad with good elements. Yeah, I think we can have that. I think <laughs> someone made a point in like the comments afterwards. It was like, you put down that we played well against West Ham, but we kind of threw away a three-goal leading the last 10 minutes there but I think the difference with that is that was a complete freak game where 
that could that, that last 10 minutes could be played 100 times over again that is never going to happen that we throw away a lead like that but the way that we played against Everton was always set up for goals and I think to lean into the good like we actually showed that we can score goals when we actually do try and score them but there are obviously just still these defensive frailties that are obvious even if we're going forward even if we're sitting back it's just always going to be there let's we'll stay positive let's stay on the good bits <laughs> scoring goals Dan we haven't scored four goals in a lot of games this season and we did look a little bit more open like shackles have been taken off a little bit yeah, I don't think I can really complain about the Everton result or performance at all because I spent the whole season saying <laughs> I'd, much, I'd much prefer so it true. if, so if Mourinho's side just tried to outscore everyone and, and conceded a few than if they tried to grind out 1-0 wins. And so I've been saying that for months, so I haven't got a leg to stand on now that that's what Spurs actually tried to do and it didn't quite go to plan. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did enjoy it um, as a spectacle. I think... It, I, w- I wanted Spurs to keep going in the FA Cup because I, I think you know the, the season feels like it's increasingly dependent on the, on the cups to be a success. But yeah, it, it, it was much more enjoyable than the sort of Palace or, or Wolves or Fulham matches, which was obviously a much more restrained handbrake on style. Um, I agree with Sean largely. I also think there there was a kind of freak element to. To, to the Everton game as well. I think you, know, you, you don't normally get um, games where where both teams are scoring with the kind of that frequency and, and, and that ease. Um, yeah, I, I think in an attacking sense, it was definitely a step in the right direction, given that Spurs looked so good and that Kane didn't start the game. Um, there were positives to take there. Um, and I think, you know, the, the positive from City, right, is that no one should judge themselves against City because they're streets ahead of everyone else. So the only positive I can pick from, from City is that w- let's not worry about it in the same way that w- we can't really draw any conclusions from West Brom because they're terrible. So let's just kind of write off the last two league games and and take the positives from from the Everton game. God, it's a hell of a... Hell of a go on, go on, go on, sorry. Yeah, just to quickly piggyback on what Dan said about, you know, with this, we've been saying all season we'd rather play like this and lose like this. I think... We can always appreciate that that is the way that we're going to do it, but also acknowledge that it, it wasn't a good overall performance at the same time. Like that, it's it's better like that than death by a, a thousand cuts. You're or a whatever. slave like, to the spreadsheet, Sean. I uh, I actually have not played from the city game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look at it right now. Yeah, it's, but I know what you mean. I I think it's that that difficult middle ground, right? That it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Yeah disaster class at the back if you're just a little bit more open going forward right and uh, yeah because go on yeah because before this like the recent months it's just been like sometimes it doesn't feel like we've been trying like at least against Everton we actually showed real endeavour we looked quite lively when we did have the ball it was actually a proper kind of cup tie against the team probably who are about equal to us right now like and on the on the day it came down to extra time and that's what that was the difference between us i can appreciate for sure that we went there and we tried something a little different to what we've been doing recently but ultimately so, just wasn't enough so and, and we, I, go on then well i think just, just to be clear i was being a bit kind of tongue-in-cheek there like, i think what a lot of us want to see is like we want to see spurs with with a decent base and, and a, a solid defense but it's just more that 
you know, when Spurs are 1-0 up in, in these games that they've thrown away in the past, I think everyone would, would like Mourinho to occasionally be like, oh, you know what, we're, we're winning 1-0, but we've lost, a, you know, we've lost a bit of momentum, we've run out of ideas. Here's Deli Alley, you know, try and deal with him. And then if, and then if they concede a, a late goal, well, you know, bad luck, it happens. Or, or, or you know, here's Gareth Bale, you know, let, let's see how you cope with him. Let's try and liven it up in, in attack. I think that's what we want to see. We don't really want to see um, just a gung-ho side with absolutely no control at the back. Um, but that, that's not the kind of ideal. But as a, as a one-off game, it was, yeah, good fun, wasn't it? Dude, so we've got kind of like that. I feel like the approach definitely more positive in terms of City. It's something that I think a lot of Spurs fans would agree with Dan there, that it's it's almost a game that you you write off. Were there any other any other pros for you from from those two what from 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 Everton or City from Everton well I'd say Everton just in that it was it was just chaotic fun and you know what we had sat through Brighton Chelsea Liverpool those games where they oh, just a, a few of the worst games I've ever seen in in my life and it was just nice to see something a bit batshit happening in a Spurs game because it doesn't normally happen I don't think Tottenham have had many games when they've had nine goals you know after 120 minutes um so that that was nice uh city is a bit trickier because they didn't really land a land a blow on them at any point maybe kane's free kick aside and bale's nice little trickery with his uh with his feet towards the end um positives is, is a bit tough on city i'm not sure but yeah it's basically like a free hit so Right, apologies for the small break in proceedings, but we just wanted to give you a quick message from our new sponsor. That's right, we're a branded podcast now. So Support for a What a Night is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so come along and join the fun. We have an exclusive offer for listeners of Oh What A Night, 20% off, plus free shipping with the code 90min20. So get involved, get 20% off, and don't use the same trimmer that you use on your face as you use on your crown jewels. So let me chuck this to you on the negative side, on the bad. So one thing that I did see a lot during the rounds on social media, Jude, is is people saying that they didn't feel much when we lost to City. Mm -hmm. I find that a little bit worrying because that implies, I mean, City are a phenomenal side, but we beat them earlier on in the season. And in recent years, every time we've lost to City, even if they've been the favourites, I felt very annoyed about the fact that we've lost the game because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Maybe didn't feel that way this time around. It's like that classic line of, uh, you know, you set your expectations really low and then you'll never be disappointed. And I felt like that was the, that was the perfect sort of explanation for that game because like they'd won 15 on the bounce or something ridiculous like that. Um, so I think if you weren't really resigned to defeat, having seen Spurs' run of form before the game, um, you know, you are being very, very optimistic as much as nice as it would like to be that you'd like to be that way. Um, I think apathy is never good and it's never a good thing for it to, uh, to set in among your, among your team's fans. And, um, but like, 
after four defeats and five, like that that stuff's going to happen. Unfortunately, is that is is apathy worse than being angry? Is that more dangerous? Um, I think if you're angry, you're like, I know this team can do better because I've seen that they can they can produce better results. I think ap- apathy is probably worse. Yeah, because it's like, oh, this is what we've come to expect. And so what, it's a bit worrying. <laughs> I mean, I opened that one out to 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 the other two as well, to, to Shawnee and Dan. Like, is that something that will be concerning for, I suppose, for, for anyone club side, really, if, if supporters are apathetic? Yeah, I think it will. I think it will concern the club much more than, than anger or frustration. I mean, partly as a result of the circumstances, you know, fans being locked out of stadiums and watching all the games on TV naturally will lead to some kind of disconnect, I think. And, you know, people will be looking at their phones and stuff and, and maybe when the team's off form, they just won't be making time to, to be at home for, for the matches. But, yeah, it's going to concern the club because season ticket renewals won't be too far away. I suspect they'll be delayed a bit this year, but they're normally around March. So, you know, they, they, they want people kind of engaged with the team and excited to go back to the stadium. And if, if people are kind of losing interest and, and apathy is creeping in, which is what I tweeted at, at full time against City, and I definitely think there's an element of that. If that's happening, then, then that will, will really worry the club. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of reaction from the fan base that feels kind of quite terminal, um, almost quite kind of end of days for a manager. And I'm not suggesting... Uh, we're, we're fully there yet, but if it was to, to kind of totally set in and, and people, you know, start this almost Sherwoodian perverse interest and in just sort of seeing how bad or how comical it gets, then that's that's really bad. And I, I don't think we're there yet to be to be clear. But you know, there there've been a few kind of warning signs in the last couple of weeks. Stage direction. Sure. Yeah, it's Sherwoodian. Yeah, it's Sherwoodian in the dictionary anyway. Yeah, or has that not been, not been done by Webster? Right, come on, come on, Shawnee. Because I, I, I feel like for you, you might be. Look, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you further along the line than, than apathy? If that makes sense. What's that? I Just like so, yeah. emo death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Get think I think we're in the death stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't deserve to go in the journal anymore. That's that's that's. How oh God, we're beyond the journal. Yeah. <laughs> but Sean, you you get what I mean, right? Because it, it, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, sure. it's a real it's a real weird situation at the moment. I know exactly what Dan's saying, and that once you start to see people online almost kind of saying like, "Lol, imagine if we lose this game," it's like that's a really weird spot to be in when people are almost betting against their own team. Hmm. I I mean, I let, I let, I stopped watching after about 70, 75 minutes of the week. And that's how just annoying. You actually stopped watching the game. I stopped watching. I went for a walk in minus three degree weather. (laughs) Oh yeah. That is the next stage yeah. of emo death. That is where yeah. it goes. I went for a walk in minus three. <laughs> I, I may be gone for some time. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's just the point. Like as a fan, I'm not enjoying it. I'm just so far beyond trying to enjoy this at the moment. I know everyone's saying, "Oh, we still got the League Cup final. We're still in the cups. Um, serial winner, all that crap." But it's just like I don't want my my season and Tottenham's existence to come down to a couple of days a year that you might or might not get. I'd rather enjoy 
my I'd rather enjoy loving my club and having good times. This is this is not a good time. We are not in a good moment. Yeah, that that's that, that phrase is definitely doing the rounds at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Not in a good. Did, did any of you watch? Go on, Dan. Sorry. I was just going to interject and say, what, what do you think Sherwoodian moment of his reign was? I'm, I'm torn between him and Ramsey saluting Adibayor or <laughs> when he asked the fan to wear his gilet and take charge of the team. There, were, there was one other, wasn't there? It was the gilet throw. Or the interview where he says, like, them not will be laughing on the bus on the way home. By the time they reach the motorway, <laughs> they'll be laughing. That was no, the way There's another interview where he said, I never felt this bad, never. Uh, <laughs> that, that was the, the Chelsea defeat. Do you know what's a little bit concerning? I, I remember in the Chelsea defeat, there was two or three individual errors, wasn't there? I think we lost 4 0, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Walker two... played like right midfield slash centre mid, I want to say, or was Chadley? Yeah, Aaron Lennon was playing as a 10 or something. Yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, we're not there yet. Didn't Sherwood tell no. George Jesus from Benfica to fuck off during a game, or is that not correct? And we lost, oh, yeah. God. And we, we lost 3 1 at home, and yeah. like he was getting proper, and like. Jesus was doing like his, his like jigs on the he touchline. When, yeah, when the third goal went in, he was like, this guy is not a match. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that was that, that was Europa League, wasn't it? Was that Europa yeah. League? Yeah, it was. Yeah. That was that was bizarre. See, that was a that was a that was chaos. That was absolute yeah. chaos at that point. And that was it sort of out, it felt completely out of control. I don't feel like things are out of control at the moment, but I definitely feel as if the West Ham game suddenly has taken on way too much significance. Does anyone else feel like it, it's sort of horribly important? Yeah. Definitely, because if you can't judge West Brom and City, then you absolutely can judge them on West Ham because they're close on the table, they're rivals, and they're, they're a team that, on the table now. <laughs> well, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're oh, God. pulling away. But, you know, that's that's really a game to, to judge this, this side on, I think. I'm, I'm, I am kind of interested in what should be the ambition now? Like what should be, I feel like we're in purgatory a bit here. You know, I don't really know whether we should be looking at the table and being like, right, we need to get as close to top four as possible. Definitely feels like European football is something that Spurs need um, just in terms of club sustainability. Um, but silverware is important, which makes it all the more ugly that we went out of the FA Cup, Sean. Yeah, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago. Like everything about Mourinho's reign now is just becoming about the like the what ifs, buts, whatever. Like I think, like we, even with the Everton game, it's oh, would you rather lose five four? Would you rather we lose one nil? And we got our answer there. We'd rather lose five four. Would you rather wi- try your hand at winning a cup if it means you come like ninth? We're finding out now. There's, uh, that, that's There's really... no. Sorry, comment. No, no, no. no, no. That's really fascinating because that was that was one of the things. So, did you see Jamie Carragher's sort of discussion around this on Monday Night Football? Yeah, yeah. That was, I think, that was the first time that I've seen someone address the uh, Mourinho Poch kind of philosophies and actually mm. almost say, "Yeah, maybe we overcooked the whole you need to win a trophy thing." Hmm. No, I th- he's definitely right. I think. Let's not 
it's it's really kind of tough to break into that kind of well it used to be the big four didn't it it was Arsenal United Liverpool and Chelsea and they were just kind of the established clubs Chelsea had kind of bought their way in in the early 2000s Arsenal had worked their way on under Wenger and then City came with the new money and it was easier for them to spend their way into it for us it's been more difficult because we didn't have a big stadium yet we didn't spend as much nearly as much money as anyone else it was a really kind of slow process and it was going to be a slow process of just having a habit of winning trophies rather than really trying really, really hard to get them. I think that was the thing where under Parchi didn't really value the League Cup or the FA Cup. And maybe if he did try a bit harder, he, he would have won one because we just would have had those winning habits. He didn't really value that, but Carragher nailed it. It was the thing that was special about Poch was he didn't, not that we could we thought we could go win an FA Cup or a League Cup. It was that we thought we could win the Premier League and the Champions League. That was what set him apart. Yeah. I think we should also probably focus in this in this section in terms of the ugly pieces on on the errors. Like we mentioned it earlier on in the earlier on in the pod um about individual errors. But in both games they crept in, didn't they, Jude? They were you could almost point at every single goal and say there's an error that has led to that. Uh, yeah, Spurs are just far too easy to, to score against at the moment. And I think that seven-minute period uh, at Everton where, like, just leading up to half-time, like, Spurs have played pretty well um, before, like, the 35th or 6th minute. They had their 1-0 one, their, their one nil, one nil lead. And then suddenly just three goals go in. You get the you get Sigurdsson, you get Calvert-Lewin, and then a penalty gets given away and, like, a, a decent, an otherwise decent half turns into 3-1 simply because, like, people at the back aren't really switched on. <laughs> um, and then the City one was was just awful as well. Like, I'm not going to pile in on Hoiberg. It's, like, his seventh, second bad game in a row, but, like, he's had about 40 other good ones, so it's tough. Um, but the Gunda one... The, their city's second goal just seemed like like too easy. I know the the build up was lovely, um, and they were really patient, and suddenly good to one burst into the box. But it wasn't one where I was thinking, "Oh, this is a definite goal." Like I thought somebody would be able to stick their foot out and Mate, stop that one from going in. He drifted I know it into a thought... pocket of space in the box. Yeah, you know there I mean? was just too much um, space just like left gaping open and. Um, Larice, like, I'm not gonna start sending for Larice because he's he's a good keeper, but like, he just seems like he's got chocolate wrists at the moment. I think Jamie O'Hara said that the other day. He's got chocolate wrists, but then he also said throw Joe Hart in goal. So... Oh wow! <laughs> so I'm not sure about either of those shouts. <laughs> what well, Dan? When, when like, at what point? At what point do does the conversation open up on on Larice? Well, I think there's already a conversation there, but actually I'm quite inclined to defend Larice at the moment. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the time a goalkeeper is just only as good as the defence in front of him. Um, I mean, look at Alisson, right? I mean, he, we thought when he was playing behind Van Dijk and, and Gomez and that Liverpool defence that he was the best thing since sliced bread. He couldn't put a, a foot wrong. And then suddenly, you know, you, you put him in front of a defence with, debutants and young players and low on confidence players out of position and he just and he's crumbled um and I don't think that's any coincidence um 
And it's happened, you know, if I'm not wrong, you know, Edison didn't look great at the start of the season when City was struggling and, and now looks brilliant when uh, Ruben Diaz and, and kind of rejuvenated Stones are in there. Um, I think you're seeing it throughout the Premier League. You know, there's, there's not a lot of great goalkeepers in the league at the moment, but that's because there's, I think, mainly because there's not a lot of great defences. Um, so I think, you know, Lloris has lost confidence and he's been short of confidence for a while, but then he's been playing in front of you know, a different defence every week um, and players who are really short of confidence themselves and keep making mistakes. So I, I kind of want to defend him at the same time. That's not to say Lloris hasn't been on what I think it's fair to say is a kind of fairly gentle but steady decline over the last probably two or three seasons, possibly kind of since winning the World Cup. Um, and obviously there has to be a conversation about his successor and, and heir very soon, you know, this summer. Um, I don't think it's Joe Hart, you know. <laughs> well, I think we all I think we all agree it's it's not Joe Hart, but clearly that has to happen. But but kind of yeah, sh- short term, I, I, I think I want to defend Lloris, even though he, he was pretty poor against City and Everton, because I think he, he's playing in front of a, a, a def- shambolic defence. And if you put him in City's team for Edison, I, I don't think there'd be a huge amount of difference between the, those two. Can we, can I think it's t- a good point, Dan, in that. Oh, <laughs> um, I thought it was a good point, Dan, where you said the defence in front of Lloris doesn't really help him because there have been times that the last two or three years where even though he has started declining, he actually come up with some really big moments. But I just think the more we've kind of sat in, the more that the defence has been chopped and changed, the more vulnerable he has looked. And I, th- I don't think that's a coincidence. I think mm. if you, we, we did a ranking of the Premier League goalies yesterday on the site and you could see at the very top of the list were the teams who had generally the better defences and not just in terms of like the elite clubs, but like the good, the better mid-table sides had um, better defences. And I don't, yeah, I feel it's just, it's just all crap in it. It's just. You, you need, you need, <laughs> you need confidence and you need yeah. consistency. Yeah. And he's played in front of three right, right backs in as many games. Doherty, Aurier and Tanganga. He's played in front of probably five centre-backs in the last three or four games. Uh, two left-backs in, in the last four or five games, you know, it's constantly changing and no one's doing well in front of him. Um, Mm. I don't think this is on him. Uh, I think a great goalie is, is only as great as as the players in front of him. You rarely get, you know, a kind of De Gea, you know, maybe as an outlier when Manu were terrible and he kept saving them week in, week out. But normally what happens is the defense starts to go and then the goalie follows pretty soon after it. And I think, you know, you're seeing that with, with, with Alisson in particular at the moment. Yeah, that's it's interesting though because it makes you wonder how you try and arrest that, how you how you stop that. Considering the transfer window's gone, there doesn't seem to be any centre back that Jose's prepared to hang his hat on. Perhaps with the exception of Eric Dyer, but ironically enough, Eric Dyer's been in in really poor form recently and has struggled a lot, particularly since the Liverpool game. Um, are we just kind of, is this going to be it for the rest of the season, do you think? Is there any way of fixing this? I I honestly think it'll probably just be more um, try and get 1-0 leads and hang on and um, we'll see what's what's what. Uh, they, they've obviously got City, Chelsea and Liverpool as those two games, they're out of the way now. So the running is a little kind of there. Um, 
but yeah, I think may I I I'd honestly just stick Roden in the in the middle because I know he made the mistake against Liverpool, but he's sort of the one player who has looked okay in recent weeks. Even in that Liverpool defeat, I thought he he stood up reasonably well, and he actually looked like he wanted some of the fight as well. Um, I just I don't really want to hang my hat on Eric Dyer just because that I'm still not over that Chelsea penalty where it was just total brain fart and he's just swinging his legs in the box. It didn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I mean, none of those CB options are decent. Just play Rodan and Tanganga and see. Like, Are you there with it? Genuinely? Are you saying that genuinely? Like, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I know Davinson Sanchez sort of had his Kieran Tierney moment on Saturday where his legs got in a in a tangle and he just flopped to the floor and beyond Kieran Tierney wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) um I think his confidence is just shot and it's sad that he hasn't progressed to the level we would have liked him to and I don't think Tanganga is is any worse than them any of them at the moment he's sort of the one player in that defense who came out with a little bit of credit on Saturday so you know why not just give him a give him a little go and you know see what happens Let's, I'm let's, with I'm with Jude on that. Are you? That, that, yeah, yeah. No, well, no, in fact, no. I'm I'm not quite. I'm not at Tanganga what? and Roden. <laughs> I think I'm. <laughs> not, I'm not there. I'm what? I'm at I'm at pick one of them, whichever one Mourinho thinks is more promising, and 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 give them a run. Probably next to Alderweireld, who can mm. be a kind of elder statesman and hopefully just kind of lead by example a bit and guide them through games. I, I, I don't understand. That's what I'd like to see see happen. One of those two. Um, and, and at least then they'll, they'll be learning on the job. If they're making mistakes, you'd, you'd like to think that they're, they're learning from mistakes. Um, my problem with maybe playing both of them is you don't have a kind of elder sort of statesman back there. And, you know, you, that's a potential recipe for kind of breaking two young players <laughs> quite quickly. So also, I think Alderweireld's just a, a much better passer than any other defender that we have. His his range of passing is just far better than anyone else, and he actually at least provides you with a little bit of a platform to get the ball into midfield, mm. or, or or maybe yeah. skip the midfield and find someone out wide. You know, I'm not having that once they're all fit. A back five of Lloris, Aurea, one of Roden, Tanganga, Alderweireld, and Regulon can't at least be a decent defence. That that should be coachable at the very least yeah and we should we should certainly at least flag the fact that regular is up there with the best left backs in the league and we are really missing what mm. he gives us in terms of pace at the back but also going forward as well Alderweire can like ping balls towards regular I think it was the Fulham game where it was just one ball over to Regulon, cross into Kane and that was a goal so that sort of does highlight you know stick out of iron at the back get those fullbacks bombing forward and get balls into the box and that's how we can build attacks from centre back yeah right some green shoots of hope some things to be optimistic about that we'll put in the beautiful has anyone got anything that you're thinking right okay it it will improve it's going to get better. What about what about just Bale's just Bale's nice kind of oh, jinking I'm so run? So glad mm. you brought that up. I didn't want, I didn't want to be the one that like is just putting my entire mortgage on Gareth Bale, but I, I, that, I that did everything for me in that. I want to add that because I went for my walk. I didn't. I haven't actually seen this yet. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It was very good. Go on, Dan. Well, it was it was a glimmer, wasn't it? And that's 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 all we really 
wanted from Bale from from that cameo. You just want him to show something that suggests there's there's light at the end of the tunnel for him. And I think that move and shot was it. I, I do feel quite bleak about the Bale situation generally. I think I think it's a catch twenty two where he doesn't trust his body and he's not going to trust his body without a run of games. And Mourinho's not going to give him a run of games until he trusts his body. So it's we're stuck. But he should start on Thursday. Um, you'd, you'd think he'll start both legs against Wolfsburger. There, are, you know, more opportunities to to sort of turn his season around. Um, and yeah, the, the the moment against Man City, I think, just showed that you know against the the very best side in the league, you know, he still has something to offer. He still nearly made something happen. It was the best moment for Spurs after Kane's free kick, which isn't saying much, but but said something. So yeah, let's let's. I hope he builds on it and does something on Thursday against the side who, from from what I can understand, are you know roughly the level of the Europa League group stage opponents. So you know should be pretty easily beatable. There's been Dan. There's been a lot of like uh, there's been a change, hasn't there, in the narrative towards Gareth Bale from the wider media? It feels over the course of the last month or so, like suddenly the the, the lens has very much turned from why isn't Mourinho playing to him as he needs to do more. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Mourinho is quite good at controlling the narrative and, and you know, that seems to be his position that, you know, Bale, Bale needs to do more. But I do, as I said, I do see both sides. I think, you know, Bale's someone who's, who is just struggling to, to trust his body and, you know, he's struggling to get up to speed and probably needs, you know, three or four games in a month for something, you know, full games to really get there and, and it's, it's hard to see Mourinho giving him that. Mourinho's always been a manager that wants his players to run through walls for him. He's always been a manager that's been you know, pretty sceptical about kind of fatigue and pretty sceptical about knocks and, you know, players worrying about um, feelings, which is what he alluded to with Bale before the Everton game, wasn't it? So it, it doesn't feel like a, a match made in heaven, really. It feels like too, you know, you know, two pretty different positions and, and I can see I guess I can see both God I hope he comes through against Wolfsburger I really do like um, it, it was such a it touched into such a nostalgic romantic sort of part of supporting Tottenham when he returned and it's kind of been so sad that we haven't even had really more than two or three moments to to hang it on and the other thing that I can't stand is fans of other teams being like, oh, this is such an awful signing, blah, blah, blah. I just don't feel like he's had an opportunity to show whether it's a good or bad signing at the moment. I don't really feel like he's actually had a, a successful run of games where you go, okay, well, maybe he isn't at it or maybe he is, you know. And so when you get glimpses like that against Man City, it just gives you that little bit of optimism that, uh, that it might work out. Um, Shawnee, just quickly on, on Europa League, important to get through this one, isn't it? Yeah, this is. I, I is it is it? No, I was going to say it, it might be a better shot of winning the Europa League than it is the League Cup. But I guess that's just a one-off game. But we still we're still among the best players in the competition. I think what we got to remember is probably by the time the last stages come around, we should be like completely out of like a race for a top four. We'll be like just fighting for the top six. And I think the real positive is that we do have good players. We do have a good team we can't forget that amid all this kind of crap and this down feeling. We have two of the best players in the league. We have two good midfielders in Hoiberg. I know he's been a bit crap recently, but it's his first bad run. We have Ndombele. 
We have Reglon to come back. We've got La Celso to come back. We've got Delhi to come back into the fold. This is a good team. This is a team that could easily win Europa League. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree there. It's just like just about which team turns up. Thankfully, the side that we're playing against is, is not going to set the world alight. Um, but we'll be back to discuss it all, hopefully after Gareth Bale smashed it. Um, and and we're we're all fully optimistic and we've got lots of exciting good stuff to talk about come the weekend um hope you enjoyed the pods if you did do please leave us a review and subscribe if you haven't already make sure you check out all the guys on on twitter as well they're great follows uh we'll see you all come friday save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.